Well, well, well. Welcome to your favorite Thursday podcast. I'm Nick Mitchell. And I'm Scott Tedford Barnes. And you are listening to Legends of Sportsball, an educational celebration of useless jock knowledge. Thank you for joining us. We have a very special episode today, don't we, Scotty? Man, all the special, all the episode. All the time. We'll start with our scoreboard stumper. We'll get into our flex seal. We have four notable jabronis this week. We are right in the eye of the storm of jabroni season. Uh, we'll get into our Hall of Fame inductee, Doug Flutie. His Flutie. Uh, we'll get our scoreboard stumper answer. We'll chase the Mendoza line. We will go to church. We've got two shampoos, and we'll send you on your merry little way. So without further ado... Hit me with that scoreboard, Stumper Scotty. All right. So the other night, Zach Gallen, pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks, um, tied the record for most consecutive starts without allowing a run. The record is six. Uh, It is also held by three other players. Now, the weird part, this is where the trivia question takes a turn. The weird part of this is that all three of those other pitchers pitched it for one team. They recorded their six scoreless streak for one different one team. Was that team the Atlanta Braves, the Detroit Tigers, or the or the Los Angeles Dodgers? All right. So in my head, I was thinking either Dodgers, Giants, or Braves before you even got to the choices. Mm-hmm. Um. I really want to say Braves because I want to assume it was some of those great pitchers from the 90s Braves. However, the Dodgers had like a really good farm system. We're bringing guys up like Hideo Nomo, who is a potential to be one of those uh, that you mentioned. Um, I'm going to go with the Giants. No, or Giants. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm going to go with uh, the Atlanta Braves. <laughs> okay, you're going with the Braves? Okay. Going with the Braves. All right. All right, uh, we'll get into that stumper after the Doug Flutie deep dive. Uh, moving on to Flex Seal of the Week. The super strong waterproof tape. That can instantly patch, bond, seal, and repair. Each week, we recognize a franchise transaction that is just a PR stunt and in no way fills the needs of the organization. Mm-hmm. This week's Flex Seal of the Week is... Jason Peters, left tackle, Dallas Cowboys. Wow. Go Cowgirls. He's 40 years old. 40. I mean, he is a first ballot guaranteed Hall of Famer. Oh, sure. Yeah. He played for the Eagles for a long time. Yeah. I mean, even in like the PR, even in the press release for this big announcement, um, they were like, he's going to spend some time getting back into football shape. <laughs> so he just like probably showed up off the street, not even ready to play <laughs> at all. So um, they drafted a tackle. But yeah. they, they had him playing guard, but now he's got to play tackle until Peters is ready. Um, I mean, he was a high draft pick. They like him, but I think they want to just like have an insurance policy because I guess they had the injury to Smith. Tyron Smith got hurt. Yeah. So. Peters is here to fill that gap, which is just funny. He's just like, imagine you're like an offensive lineman in your 20s or 30s waiting for an opportunity, and then this 40-year-old guy (laughs) who's not even in playing shape gets a call. Must be disappointing. 
Listen, fantasy drafters, expect a lot of rushing yards out of Dak Prescott because he's going to be running with a 40-year-old left tackle. Uh, <laughs> I don't care who it is. I mean, even Andrew Whitworth was like, you know, in for X amount of plays for the Rams. I would say good luck, but I don't care. It's the, D- the Dallas Cowboys, so suck yeah, it. We don't, yeah. <laughs> suck it indeed, Cowboys. All right, uh, moving on to notable jabronis. Uh, first up, we've got Killian Mbappe, uh, who um, he. You want to just take this one? Yeah, I'm taking this one. Uh, Mbappe plays for PSG, um, which is out of France. Uh, it's a soccer team. Um, the other day, PSG had a game that was about an hour long train ride away from where their team is located. Paris Saint-Germain. But Mbappe and the team decided to take a private jet to there and back. And in the social media age of Europe, everybody like tracks your flights and then they make really nice comments or really mean comments about how you fuck up the environment with your use of air travel when you could easily use a train like everyone else. <laughs> yeah. Hour, it's only an hour away. You could rent your own train. You're the fucking team. It's a lot cheaper than taking a private plane. And then they laughed about it. The thing is, they laughed about yeah, it. Everybody asked about, about it. it. And everybody was like, oh, there's just like zero remorse there. PSG's already in a shitload of trouble for, they owe 10 million in fines currently. So, <laughs> stop fucking with our environment. <laughs> We're done with you, Killian. All right, uh, now an even bigger jabroni, uh, Herschel Walker. Ooh, dark horse, suit. dark horse for jabroni of the year. He could. And any year where Deshaun Watson isn't doing what he's doing, Herschel Walker probably wins. He could go all the way. <laughs> he stole a shot. He really could. <laughs> so the the latest with Herschel Walker um, is. He was interviewed about inflation and he called it a women's issue because they, they go to the grocery. <laughs> yeah, he said, yeah, we said, yeah, he said that to him, inflations are women issues and their grocery prices and gas prices. Um, he also said, and his thoughts about trans athletes, he said, you want, you guys want your daughters to compete against me? I don't even know why we're discussing this. And <laughs> <laughs> my favorite tweet about it says Herschel Walker is a doorknob. <laughs> it's like a 24 second clip. It's, it's, it's a whole bunch of alphabet soup. I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> God, Herschel Walker. Yeah, I mean, uh, all right. Well, yeah, one of the great things about this episode is it might be a first time ever that two of our inductees are getting jabronized. Are notable jabronies. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's a new record, I think, as far as I know. We'll have to have our fact checkers look into that. But, yeah. <laughs> um, next up is John Daly. Ooh. Um, yeah, I mean, bittersweet this one because... Um, despite his actions, his team beat the Bearcats. Yeah, um, he, Arkansas Razorbacks. He's a he's a Razorbacks fan. Um, and that's his home state. He's very popular down there. And he was on. Was it ESPN? He was on. He was on ESPN College Game Day, and he was toasted. Yeah, he was. He was. 
he had some good drinks. Someone offered him a beer and he turned it down because he like he was claiming he had something better. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which half jabbernized because he's supposed to be uh he's supposed to be clean. He's supposed to be sticking to diet diet coke and Marlboro lights. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, John's on his own journey at all times. He's famous everywhere. Yeah, he, he might mean, get reinducted. There might be another <laughs> chapter to his story the way it's looking. Yeah, we'll follow up. <laughs> and last and not least, but Brett Favre. Um, we'll get into, you know, you might remember we spoke about him on a previous episode. Some weird, weird shit going on. Um, once again for Brett Favre he was investigated by the FBI for a 1.1 million dollar payout for appearances that he was to make for um, a nonprofit organization and he never made these appearances yeah <laughs> so he, he paid the money back but he still still since we jabbernized him last November for the same thing has not paid the $228,000 in interest yet Furthermore, the FBI is investigating how much he embezzled, possibly due to the governor giving like payouts and um, <laughs> from a pharmaceutical company that was building it in Mississippi. So, right now, there's an extra five million that. Favre that Favre um, lobbied for to get a new volleyball facility built. In the University of Southern Mississippi, Mississippi. So that's still being investigated because maybe it was used with welfare money, with welfare check money. Yikes. So, yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I has there know. been a week this year that we haven't mentioned either Brett Favre or Aaron Rodgers on notable jabronis? <laughs> I, tr- I mean, I try to make it pretty far. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, that was that. I mean, some good ones there. We're in the yeah, we're in the eye of the storm. He just needs to go back to selling copper fit. <coughs> what are you doing? Is that those jeans? What are you doing, dude? Oh, Wranglers. <laughs> oh, I got my he's Wranglers for life. I'm Brett Favre. Hey, y'all, watch this. Oh man, I thought we agreed we were going to leave football players alone, and then we just did two football players. <laughs> anyway, we'll move on to our Hall of Fame inductee, also a football player. Doug Flutie. Douglas Richard Flutie was born October 23, 1962, in Manchester, Maryland, to Dick and Joan Flutie. When Doug was six, his family moved to Melbourne Beach, Florida, where his father worked as an engineer for the aerospace industry. Aerospace industry. He was a rocket scientist. (laughs) Build rocket appliances. While in Florida and from the quarterback position, Doug led the Hoover Junior High School football team to two Brevard County championships. The Flutie family would again move in 1976, this time to Natick, Massachusetts, 10 miles from Boston. Baston. Baston. Doug would later. <laughs> Doug would let her in. Brady! <laughs> <laughs> Doug would letter in basketball, baseball, and football at Natick High School, and he accepted a scholarship to play for Boston College, the only Division I-A school to actively recruit him. Flutie was given the starting quarterback job for all four seasons of his college career. When he came in as a freshman, he was lucky to have Tom Coughlin as his quarterback's coach. Coughlin carefully guided the five foot nine Flutie for the first three years of college, 
allowing him to progress. But after 1983, Coughlin departed. In 1984, Doug proceeded to let it fly, passing for 3,454 yards, 27 <laughs> touchdowns, while winning a bevy of awards, including winning the Heisman Trophy. Jeez. While his list of accomplishments in college is long, one single play is remembered above all. On the day after Thanksgiving, 1984, Boston College faced off against the juggernaut Miami Hurricanes and Bernie Kosar. Bernie. <laughs> after Bernie Kosar completed a dramatic drive to put the Canes up 45-41, to 41, Flutie was given 30 seconds to score. Doug completed two quick passes, and then with six seconds left, he dropped back, scrambled madly, and heaved up a desperate Hail Mary pass, which was caught in the end zone by wide receiver and roommate Gerard Fellin. Yep, that's like the, the number one play, like of all, like for every college play ever. It's yeah, like, they show that, and they show yeah. uh, the Cordell Stewart to or, or the um, or the Tommy Frazier seventy five yard run. Yeah. <laughs> they show all the guys that we covered. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, Flutie won a ton of stuff in college. Like, ugh, yeah. We'll get we'll get that in the footies. This single play not only won Boston College the game, but it's remembered and honored as one of football's greatest moments of all time. Despite the success and accolades in college, the NFL was still not sold on Flutie, deeming him too short for the position. Before the NFL draft could even happen, Flutie was selected in the 1985 USFL draft by the New Jersey Generals. The Generals' owner and human paraquat, Donald Trump, <laughs> vowed, vowed to make Doug the highest paid pro, league, pro player in any league for $7 million over five years. Flutie's first two passes in the USFL were both interceptions to the same player. He'd recover, but after 15 games, he'd completed 134 of 281 passes for 2,109 yards and 13 touchdowns. Aided by Trump, the USFL <laughs> folded in 1986. But that October, Flutie was picked up by the Chicago Bears, appearing in four games. Yeah, I mean, the Bears quarterbacks, like, the bar was pretty low in the 80s. It was all defense. They're like, Jim, Jim McMahon's got a note of concussion. Get in there. <laughs> They're like, he doesn't even complete 50% of his passes in USFL. They're like, our quarterback has 12 touchdowns and 28 interceptions. Yeah. So. <laughs> Get in there. Get in there. <laughs> Chicago would then trade Flutie to the New England Patriots before the 1987 season, a season in which the NFL players would go on strike. NFL games were being played with replacement players or scabs, but Doug crossed the picket lines to play and quickly after the strike collapsed. The Pats started 1-3 to begin the 1988 season, but Flutie came off the bench and led the Pats to a 6-3 record. The Pats reached the brink of making the playoffs, but Flutie would be benched and replaced by Tony Eason, who hadn't played football in over a year and would lose the game. Doug stayed with the Pats through the end of the 1989 season, but the team would release him and proceed to win only nine games over the next three years. <laughs> <laughs> While the Pats lost, Flutie left for the Canadian Football League, signing with the BC Lions. British Columbia. You imagine that, though? You, you led your team to the brink of the playoffs, and just because your team doesn't have faith in you to deliver because you're short, they went and got another quarterback to play. Like, that's fucking shitty. All right. <laughs> Doug had a pedestrian first season in the CFL, starting in only eight games and finishing with a losing record. But it was the last time in the CFL, CFL that he would have a losing season, like entirely. In his second season, Flutie went off, passing for a pro football record 6,619 yards with 38 touchdowns and winning the MVP of the league. Jesus. In fact, Flutie won the league MVP award from 1991 to 1994, then again in 1996 and 97. 
Doug signed with the Calgary Stampeders in 1992 and proceeded to win the Grey Cup, which is the league championship, and win the Grey Cup MVP. Flutie continued to dominate, winning another two Grey Cups and two Grey Cup MVPs in 96 and 97. He would leave the CFL for the Buffalo Bills in 1998, but Doug left a huge mark on the CFL, finishing his eight-year career with 41,355 passing yards and 270 touchdowns. In 2006, Flutie was voted the greatest CFL player of all time from a list of 50 players. Wow. In eight seasons, just eight seasons. Incredible. (laughs) Just so dominant. The Bills brought in Flutie, fully expecting him to remain a backup behind starter Todd Collins and fellow backup (laughs) Rob Johnson. Todd Collins. (laughs) Doug saw his first action after both Collins and Johnson were injured and tossed two touchdowns to lead a comeback win over Peyton Manning and the Colts. The following week, Flutie took down the undefeated Jaguars and the success continued. Doug compiled a... 8-3 8-3 record while under center for the Bills with the team making the playoffs with Flutie passing for 360 yards and a wild card loss to the Dolphins. Ouch. Flutie was awarded the Comeback Player of the Year award and was named to the Pro Bowl. Flutie took the Bills to a 10-5 record the following season, but and a controversial decision was replaced by Rob Johnson for the playoffs. Coach Wade Phillips took the heat for the choice, but later said he was ordered by Bills owner Ralph Wilson to do so. Again, he was replaced for a taller quarterback. Yeah, right Rob in the Johnson playoffs. was certainly tall. If he was anything, he might not have been a quarterback, but he was tall. Yeah, he was there. Sure was. We'll get into Rob Johnson in a little in his failure later. Okay. <laughs> right here. <clears throat> Johnson was sacked six times and completed only ten passes, none of which were touchdowns, in a twenty-two to sixteen loss to the Tennessee Titans. The same game that is now referred to as the Music City Miracle. They lost to that Tennessee Titans. Uh-huh. Flutie remained the backup for the next season and only played late in games or when Johnson was injured, which was often. With Johnson going 4-7 and seven as a starter, Doug compiled four and, a 4-1 four and one record as a starter, and in a Christmas Eve game against the Seattle Seahawks, achieved a perfect pass rating, completing 20 of 25 passes for 366 yards and three touchdowns. Wow. After the 2000 season... The Bills decided to cut Flutie and keep Johnson. <laughs> so you're telling me Johnson went four and seven and Doug went four and one. And you're like, nah. All right. With the incredible passer rating. <laughs> we don't look at stats. <sighs> Only one stat we look at. How tall are you? <laughs> you must be this tall to ride the roller coaster. They like see some six foot seven guy. They're like, they're like, I bet Kareem Abdul Jabbar would be a great quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> we haven't evolved to that yet, man. Jesus. All right. (laughs) Doug wound up in San Diego for the 2001 season where he took a 1-15 team to 5-11. But most importantly, in 2002, he began to back up Drew Brees. Brees grew up idolizing Flutie as he himself was doubted for being an undersized quarterback. In 2003, Doug was called on to replace a slumping breeze, and at age 41, he became the oldest player to score two rushing touchdowns in one game. Yeah. And the oldest player to win AFC Offensive Player of the Week. Yeah, at that time. Yeah, at the time. I'm sure Tom Brady's broken that like 10 times times in the last four years. But, (laughs) I mean, like... You can see like this the adjustments that Breeze made with like t- with uh, Flutie's help with like being able to throw the ball. Yeah, it's like definitely something to think about too. Where you see the career Breeze has, you just got to know like Doug Flutie paved the way for that. Yeah, for yeah, sure. yeah he yeah, was definitely. an inspiration. He never he never gave up. 
The Chargers released Flutie in 2005, and Doug surprised many when he returned to the Patriots and played backup for Tom Brady. In December of 2005, the Pats sent the 43-year-old Flutie into the game, and the Jets sent in their backup, Vinny Testaverde, age 42, into the game, marking the first time two quarterbacks over 40 played against each other. Ever. Ageism. In the face of ageism. <laughs> the following week and the season finale, Flutie successfully drop-kicked the ball for an extra point, something that hadn't been done since 1941 and earning him AFC Special Teams <laughs> Player of the Week. I wonder how many quarterbacks have ever won AFC Special Teams Player of the Week. Uh, yeah, just a fun, hilarious end-of-the-year <laughs> end award. Coach Bill Belichick made comments that suggested that play call was a retirement present of sorts for the veteran. And after pondering a CFL return, Flutie officially retired in May of 2006. Yeah, so no one, no one had drop kicked a ball for an extra point since 1941. <laughs> wow! It like Flutie, I guess Flutie practiced that. Oh man! Of course he did. <laughs> of course, yeah. Well, when the Patriots, yeah, everybody has to do it on the Patriots, probably. But the, that's what the Saints should have done with Breeze in one of his last games. Flutie out. <laughs> in 2007, Doug was inducted into Canada's Sports Hall of Fame, the first non-Canadian to ever be inducted. And the following day, he was inducted into the College Football Hall of Fame. Boston College retired the number 22 on November 13th, 2006, which they marked as Doug Flutie Day in Boston. Wow. Doug and his wife established the Doug Flutie Jr. Foundation for Autism in honor of their youngest son. And Doug created a cereal called Flutie Flakes, Flutie Flakes. with benefits going to their organization. In February of 2021, Doug won the WWE 24-7 championship during a celebrity <laughs> flag football tournament. Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Doug Flutie You ain't no Doug Flutie Doug Flutie played 13 NFL seasons And 8 CFL seasons And 1 USFL, USFL season Pretty long career For someone that the NFL coaches and owners Showed little to no respect Facts. John Madden said of him Quote Inch for inch Flutie in his prime Was the best quarterback of his generation Wow Doug Flutie was deemed too short, but he left a long and memorable shadow. And for that, he is a legend. Truly a legend. He's the dude. Like So good. So many awards. Uh, and he still, I feel like he could accomplish so much more if he had been given the opportunity. You know? Oh, absolutely. Like there were those years where he was a backup where like if he had just really been given a shot to play, like he could have been college football hall of famer, Canadian Football Hall of Famer and NFL Hall of Famer. <laughs> that would be insane. I think down the line, I think Doug Flutie would probably get one of those like veteran like kind of like considerations awards for what he did for the for the game. I'm hoping. Um, you got to think about this. He 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 played eight years in the CFL, and six of those years he won the league MVP. <laughs> yeah, six. Um, um, and most years also winning like the playoff MVP award. Oh yeah, he, I know he he won every time he played in the in their Super Bowl, the Grey Cup. He won the MVP of the, yeah, of, the exactly. of the of the Grey Cup. Um, uh, he he was only given that one Pro Bowl. Uh, like I said, he won the Heisman. Is eighty four? He won the Heisman. He won the Maxwell Award. He won the Walter Camp Award, the Davey O'Brien Award, the UPI Player of the Year Award, the Sporting News Player Player of the Year Award, and he was a unanimous All American. And there's a there's a 
Boston College built a statue of him throwing the Hail Mary pass out front of his venue, out front of the, their their stadium. That's awesome. Like it's like yeah, that's a big statue of him throwing the the Hail Mary. Uh, Doug Flutie is, is the dude. Uh, he's just a good guy. He also had like perfect grades at Boston College. Of course he did. Yeah, distinguished academic record. Um, enough can't be said about him. I mean, you think like he's one of the greatest success stories just because of like he's a household name, even though you know, even though he's never ever really given that full shot. Incredible story. Yeah, imagine if he would have started the playoff. Doug Flutie, truly a legend. Yeah, I mean, he had the one year where they just left him in two times, <laughs> and then you got to think he was the one year he was four and one with them. It's like if they had just gone with him, maybe they, maybe who knows what they could have done that year. Yeah, uh, he was winning at an eight hundred percent winning percentage. I mean, come on, Ralph, Ralph Wilson's in hell for lots of reasons, but that's one of them. Uh, burn, Ralph, burn. <laughs> All right, moving on to our scoreboard stumper answer. <laughs> All right, so the other night, Zach Gallen tied a record for six consecutive Major League Baseball starts without allowing a run. Now, three other three other Major Leaguers hold that record. Um, they all played for one team. What team was that? Was that the Dodgers, the Braves, or the Tigers? The Giants. <laughs> yeah, or the mystery team, the Giants. <laughs> And I said, the Atlanta Braves. It's the Dodgers. It was the Dodgers. At least I got my little bit in about why I thought maybe the Dodgers. You have a good reason to think that. <laughs> but, okay, so Zach Gallen, in his next start, could break that record. Mind you, this is not a National League record. This is a Major League record. So, those three pitchers are Don Drysdale, Hersh- Oral Hersheiser, wow, and Zach Granke. And they all wow. did it for the Dodgers. Wow. Nobody else. Amazing. Yeah. So, rooting for you, Zach Allen. Yeah. That's like, Hopefully, your next start isn't against these Los Angeles Dodgers. Yeah, shampoo for you if you win. Yeah, we'll, we'll see you on the other side, man. We'll see you at shampoo. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Moving on to chasing the Mendoza line. All right. Um, Miles Straw, center fielder for the Clegardians. Hanging tough. <laughs> Hanging tough at 199. Remains at 199. Six of his last 46. Ooh. Um, Oof. If you remember his updates, last time he was chasing the Mendoza line, which was back in like July, I think, maybe June, late June, uh, he had zero home runs. At this point, he has zero home runs this year in 488 plate appearances. What position does he play? Center field. <sighs> He has five in his career. But yeah, right now he's hitting 199 with zero home runs for the year and 488 plate appearances. <laughs> I wonder how many he would hit in Great American Ballpark. <laughs> like 10. <laughs> Give or take. And then we can trade him. <laughs> All right, moving on. Next up, we've got Geraldo Perdomo. Yeah. Shortstop for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Oh. He is up four points this week to 195. Get it, cuz. He's five of his last 20, 250 average for right. the week. All right. Yeah. Solid bad. week. So that's a, that's a positive one. Trend upwards, bro. Swim up. <laughs> um, the rest is downhill. We got Trent Grisham, <laughs> San Diego center fielder. He is down again. This week, he's down to 190. He is three of his last 33 
with 18 strikeouts. <laughs> three of his last 33. With 18, 18, of those stri- 18 of those outs he made of those 33 were strikeouts. At least ground it to third or We're something stupid. Zero nine one. Point zero nine one. <laughs> I, no, Trey Grisham is my vote to win. Like the lowest Mendoza. You think Muncie will pass? I think him? Muncie can pass him. I think he can. All right. Well, let's check in with him then. All Without right. further ado, Max Muncie, who's been on the up and up. If you've been paying attention to our podcast, he is down three points this week. To 186. He is three of his last 27 with 12 Ks for a 111 average. Ouch. So um, he was up. I mean, this time last week, I think he might have been ahead of Grisham, but uh, like he was like, you know, he would have been close if he had stayed where he was. But Grisham's down two points, Muncie's down three. I think this could be a big September for him because if the Dodgers are this far ahead of everybody, at least in their division and most of Major League Baseball, um, they can start to rest some guys. I know Freddie Freeman likes to play every day, but Max Muncy should just stick in there and continue to get at bats because ever since that elbow injury last year, you know he's been still working to get a hundred percent right. He's making good t- contact, but he's not looking at 100% right. But he, he should have tons of extra playing time to get in there and get at bats. At and least the law of averages say that basically, you know, the overall average should come around. Like there should be a hot, hot spot for him, and it might come in time for the playoffs if they ride it out. No, yeah, exactly. Exactly what, what's scary about that Dodgers lineup is because everybody else is so in good, it. Despite him batting 186 to this point. Yeah, he could get ramped up. Even guys like, you know, who's that massive stoner on their team? Corey Be- Cody Bellinger. <laughs> uh, he could, you know, he could, you know, switch over to edibles and probably figure it out too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Funky Muncie, down to 186. Uh, We'll keep an eye on that through the end of the season. Uh, Moving on to church. Uh, One of our favorite segments, we actually have a confessional this week. Um, We we stumbled upon something on the internet, not realizing the age of it. So we missed out on a huge jabroni moment this time last year. Yeah. Patrick Ewing stating that if he played in today's game... There are no, there's no good big men. There's no big centers. There's no centers like Patrick Ewing. Is pretty he would be, yeah, he said he would be the Michael Jordan Shame. of today's era if he were playing Shame. now. <laughs> so, that doesn't make any <laughs> sense anyway. Like, let's talk about like the literal aspects of that. Look at guys like Giannis, and like Shame. they would just destroy him. Well, Shame. I mean, everybody remembers like the Bulls' like introduction videos that they would play and how cool <laughs> it was. And not never once did they ever say, "At center from North Carolina, you know my center." <laughs> like, like, <Yeah. laughs> like n- no. So, okay, so there's that, but there's also the fact that, um, like, I get that because LeBron's like massive and just stomps around like Patrick Ewing. So yeah, it kind of makes sense. You can't really guard guys like Patrick Ewing. Ewing couldn't run like LeBron though. No. As much as I don't really think LeBron deserves as much hype as he gets, I think like, I think LeBron would be just like he would just destroy a guy like Patrick Ewing. In today's NBA, James Worthy would be a badass center. Like. <laughs> It's a thought. I mean, you see, like Jokic out there. He's that, that guy's amazing. <laughs> he 
He's yeah, a, there's a lot of great every centers year. that do a lot more than Patrick Ewing did. Yeah, Patrick. <laughs> in my yeah. opinion. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> well, kind of, kind of in this date in jabroni history, but you know, <laughs> I know it feels like a jabroni moment, but yeah, I mean, we confess we missed that one. Would love to have brought that up this time last year. We were probably too busy jabronizing Scotty Pippen for saying similar type shit. Yeah. We'll leave Scotty Pippen alone. He's got, if you want to look it up, he's got some shit going on that would normally be talked about on our podcast. But yeah, have you heard about that shit? Yeah, a little bit. I'm not really like, Michael Jordan's son. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm just like, uh, we'll leave that to you. We're not trying to turn into TMZ. You guys can check that shit out. Anyway. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're not. We don't speculate a lot. We like to formulate bullshit opinions, but I mean. <laughs> We do have boundaries. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, moving on to the thoughts and prayers segment of church. Thoughts and prayers to Virginia Tech. Not only lost this past weekend, they were robbed yeah. in their locker room. <laughs> so players players came back after the game was over and noticed that a lot like some of their stuff had like legit just been stolen out of their locker room. Um they found of course filed a police report. Um neither school had really much any further comment on it because it like you know we're, now we're talking about like either students that they can't speculate about but they had their shit stolen they also lost embarrassingly that you should beat Old Dominion to start the year if you won the ACC championship last year and you lose to Old Dominion to start oh well bad season but also notably the coaching staff that has to go up to like the booth to call the game like coordinators they were trapped in their elevator on the way back to their booth <laughs> for like in a malfunctioning elevator. <laughs> so they were late to start the second half. <laughs> Man, thoughts and prayers. The Hokies. Va Tech. Man, that's rough. Get your headphones back, guys. I'm sorry. <laughs> I feel like we kind of jabbernized everyone at church. Sorry. We were a little unruly at church. Sometimes, today. church. <laughs> Sometimes we need to talk hellfire at church. <laughs> 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 Moving on to shampoo. shampoo. Certainly we can turn things around on shampoo, right? Of course. Let's see. First up, Cody Clemens. Congrats. Shampoo. Roger Clemens' son got his first ever strikeout in the major leagues, and it was Shohei Otani. Damn. <laughs> what a way to start. The modern era of Babe Ruth. Yeah, the video is first great. strikeout. Oh, it's so funny. He got him on an off-speed pitch uh, down and away. That was It was a really good pitch. Shampoo. And uh, and like the game kind of stopped. He's like, no, 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 can I have that? That's my first ever strikeout. And it's Shohei Otani, and he was like laughing about it. <laughs> like, yeah, Otani had the had the last laugh though. As the Angels, he hit two home runs that night. So <laughs> of course uh, he did. <laughs> Jesus, it was rocket shots. Shampoo, uh, shampoo to you, Cody, Cody Clemens. Clemens. Go for it. Again, we got a little side jab on. No, Cody. no. <laughs> yeah, congrats, dude. You're, you you look nothing like your father. So congratulations. <laughs> What was his name? What was uh, his dad, dad's name in um, Dumb and Dumber? Seabass. Seabass. He looks nothing like Seabass, thankfully. Yeah. All right. Moving on to the next shampoo. Another second generational athlete. Yeah. Uh, Trinity Rodman. Shampoo. That's right. The daughter of the worm, Dennis Rodman. She is the highest paid player in NWSL. Soccer league history. Shampoo. Yeah. It's like $280,000. Yeah, $280,000. I mean, it's a big deal. Um, 
Uh, I, I guess I got to watch her play. I yeah. mean, now I'm, now I'm like, now I'm interested. Um, it's kind of cool to see two, you know, both of these second generation athletes getting after it. Um, so congratulations, shampoo, definitely. Yeah, making your own history, y'alls. Yeah, and I, I, I love it that you know more more athletes are branching out to soccer. Heck yeah. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to our weekly podcast and check out our other episodes available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple, Amazon, and more. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Legends of Sportsball. You can also find us on Twitter at L Sportsball. That's at the letter L Sportsball. Make sure to become a member of our, of our Facebook group, The Best and Worst of Sports Twitter, a subsidiary of Trekbook, to join the conversation and revel in sport in real time. Tune in Thursday, September 15th as we induct Troy Brown. Thank you once again for listening to Legends of Sportsball. May the sports be with you. Always.